Welcome to Team Rabbitol Edition 226 with Vijaya Shakti Kumari Erharter, Fishing for Wisdom, Yogini Mystic, Temporary Austrian Pisces. Join the team as we get to know Vijaya, her thoughts regarding life, awakening, identity, truth, yoga, whatever this fish splashes us with. Welcome and well met. Thank you. Glad to glad to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Most definitely. Happy birthday in a few days, you were saying, I think two days or so. So happy early uh, B-Day. Uh, but something we do on this show is correlate the episode number to um, a major arcana card. And I'm going to kind of have an option. I could reduce to one or ten. I'm going to do ten. So it's the Wheel of Life, which is typically the Wheel of Fortune, but the Wheel of Life. I understand there's a time and season for everything. This is the wheel of life. Karmic forces are at work, balancing the light with the dark, understanding nature's cycles, watching time pass, and opening yourself to the unfolding of life around you. Raphael, what card do you have? We have number 40, the angel of divine consolation. Belonging to the virtues, this angel is invoked to protect against negativity to make people recognize their acts and attain divine mercy. This angel helps attain peace, good health, and long life. Influences on paternal love, filial respect, and obedience of children towards their elders. It is the God delighting every living thing associated with the Three of Swords, Archangel Raphael in this case, and the angel qualities include consolation, comfort, appreciation, period of renewal, and beginning of a new creation. So Vijaya, I'm kind of curious uh, if the Wheel of Fortune card or that angel had any resonance or synchronicity with you. Absolutely. I do feel like we're in a, the time of new beginnings and... Uh, yeah, I, I feel like people are becoming much more aware of Now it seems you dropped out, Jim. Yeah, um, I, we heard you were saying um, people are becoming aware, but I don't hear you anymore. Yes, from what I can see, it's not set on mute, but still not talking. So kindly, Vijaya, if you can hear us, just reconnect. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> that was fast. So let's see how it goes with the divine consolation. Now, Vijaya, sorry, but you, we couldn't hear you right from when you were starting to talk, unfortunately. So kindly repeat your statement. You were saying uh, people are waking up. Yeah, I, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Yeah, I do feel that uh, people are much more aware than previously. Um, people have had much more time um, in this last year to connect with themselves uh, spiritually, physically, to connect with their families, um, and yeah, become much more aware of the otherworldness, the consciousness, the supreme consciousness. Um, in terms of obedience, um, 
I think parents have had uh, the ability to connect more with their children and see them eye to eye. And uh, there's much more understanding, I feel, now in, in the universe, in the world, from what I've seen and from, from what I'm experiencing. That's what's up. So, yeah, it's funny because with the wheel of uh, life, with the wheel of fortune and the traditional lighter weight, it seems that, um, you know, good times, there's a Led Zeppelin song called Good Times, Bad Times. It's like it takes all kinds of times. And though it has been frustrating in terms of maybe, you know, certain levels of economic growth or political situation, especially people being kind of not allowed to travel and all this stuff, um, it seems like this is something that we're having to go through, obviously. If it wasn't meant to happen, it wouldn't be happening. So, definitely feel you on that one um so i'm kind of curious how you and rafael know each other this was actually a connection through a friend that i know here in austria her name's michaela michaela gruber thank you and she actually made this this connection for for me for us um it was her suggestion that i come on here so we would she like said, to yeah she was, she's uh, suggested a few people a coach and other people i think right Exactly. And Michaela is also right here. Michaela, only if you would like to say hi, you may. Hi, good evening. Thank you. Hello, Vichaya. Namaste, Michaela. Thank you. So this is the reason you are here. Uh, thanks again, Michaela. Yeah, you've gotten us some really good guests, so I'm um, definitely uh, appreciative of that. So, um, Rafael, I guess you guys have never met? Precisely. Cool. So it's all fun and games on the playground with new kids. That's, that's we can do that for sure. Sometimes I bring people that you know I know, and sometimes people Raphael knows, and sometimes people we've never met at all. So uh, Vijaya, just kind of um, uh, Vijaya, trying to talk me through. I mean, this might be a little dull for you, but it's interesting to me as a Gemini, uh, and Raphael doesn't mind. He's a Libra. I don't know our Vedic signs, uh, unfortunately, but um, kind of walk me through what your life was like early on, what your culture was like. Um, you were saying that you're you know, into basically kind of unity consciousness, it seemed like, and uh, more open-mindedness. Um, so, I mean, long story short, like, how did you get to where you are now? Long story short, that's a long story. I, I oh, try and cut it as short. <laughs> I'll try and make it as short as possible. Um, yeah, I was born in the UK. Actually, my mother's Indian, my father was Irish, and I moved to India when I was three. Um, my mother's from uh, a very, uh, should I say, upper class family. So I had the blessings um, to be able to learn uh, the traditional yoga from my mother, from my aunt, and from particular gurus. Um, so I was taught a lot of mantras and, uh, yeah, I, I had quite a balance because I was given that from my mother's side. And then on the other side, my father was feeding me things like, uh, 1984, the book and Machiavelli and trying to prepare me, I guess, <laughs> for right. times right. like this, which, uh, he didn't realize at the time because uh, they know more. Um, and then in our family, it was sort of, um, you don't uh, you don't teach yoga. You can practice it for yourself, but you have to do something something much better, like be a doctor or a lawyer. And then I went back to the UK to to train as a lawyer and worked in a law firm and the prosecution service, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then I'd had enough 
because I lost the connection with myself in London. For me, there's there's no Shiva in London. There's no consciousness. And then I I quickly scurried or ran back to India to to reconnect with myself and with my family and and my roots. Whilst in India, I met an Austrian and. Now I am here in Austria, and I have a beautiful daughter, um, and that's why I'm currently here in Austria right now, and that's what brought me um, to to creating a yoga course and reconnecting because I was seeing a, a very different perspective. Uh, yoga here for me was it was being used as a buzzword. It was very very frustrating for me. Okay, so I'll kind of pick your brain on a few things up front, and we can totally get into yoga and stuff like that. Uh, Ultimately, it seems definitely what you're up into. So, um, what part of were you in Ireland, or what part of the UK were you growing up? Growing up, I mean, until you were three. I was actually in in London, in in Battersea. Okay, I don't know that place well enough. Uh, My fiance is up in Stoke on Trent, so I kind of know England, but I haven't been there. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of doing this do do back and forth between India and like your, you know, um, your spiritual homeland, you could even say, and like the working world of lawyer, like law and uh, England and stuff. Um, what kind of, uh, I mean, were, you say you were saying you were a prosecuting attorney. I mean, there's probably some interesting stories there, but like um, what drew you to that? I, I'm not saying Pisces shouldn't do that, but it's like. You're a dreamer. You're a mystic. You know, you're psychic. However you want to put it, like you know, yoga and stuff like that's more probably what you should be doing. What led you into the whole law field? Just practicality for appeasing your family. On the one part, yes, but on the other side, I think it was this need for justice. I had this big urge to, especially, you know, like I said, I had, I was getting 1984 thrust at me and Machiavelli, and there was this real deep uh, surge in me that wanted to just jump out and say okay i need to i need to see that justice is done and justice is served <laughs> that makes total sense yeah reading orwell will definitely make you kind of wary of uh modern kind of uh western culture for sure and uh, i mean i'm i'm not a historian but i know that obviously india has dealt with colonization as much as you know native americans in america and stuff so um i'm guessing i don't know enough of your chart usually i look at people's charts i should have probably asked for your chart um but i'm sure there's a justice bone in you and that's probably what got triggered kind of like you know the funny bone when you go to a doctor it gets you know strike it and your knee kind of kicks up or whatever um or you know whatever that reflexology is um yeah it sounds like you kind of felt compelled to do that Raphael, i didn't mean to cut you off no so i just have to ask um of course, any interesting stories you would like to share, you're more than welcome on Team Rabbit Hole to do so. However, my main question would be, would you say now in retrospect, in a sense that the mission that you set yourself was successful or to the extent that you could do it, actually justice was served? Or how do you see it, especially systemically? I mean, there can be many reasons to remove from oneself from such a system, but even within, let's say, the bounds and the areas that you could control, how would you see that in retrospect? I'm curious. Uh, to be honest with you, it's quite frustrating for me to see uh, institutionalized racism, and especially coming from this mixed cultured background uh, of oneness where everything was accepted. Um, and my parents 
both taught me pure acceptance, ex acceptance of everything, acceptance of everyone. And this, this really frustrated me because I used to see this complete imbalance uh, in the courts. I always used to see, uh, I don't like to use the term, but yet um, somebody who was uh, non-white would always get a heavier sentence than somebody who was white, to put it bluntly, and it could be the same offense. And this really frustrated me. And I, I think this is why I had to run back, because I realized there's actually nothing I could do about it at this point in time, because it was so ingrained, ingrained in the system, and this archaic system, that really there was nothing I could do. And I actually experienced a little bit of racism within that system myself. Well, I don't want to compare apples with oranges, because I don't know enough about the legal system in general in England, but... Um... And we don't have to go down this rabbit hole right away, but I'm kind of wondering how you look at um, kind of systemic uh, ethnic bigotry, kind of like what you're talking about, where people are treating people in a, you know not equally um, just because of their uh, ethnicity um, in uh, comparison to maybe, uh, and I'm not sure how prevalent it is still or not in India, the caste system, which isn't really ethnic-based, obviously, but it is, uh, like there's still like kind of like... Um, let's say justice isn't really happening on that front particularly. So do you see any correlation between those two or are they just like kind of like apples and oranges completely? Um, yeah, I guess in a way you could say there is some sort of correlation. Um, you know, it's, they're both systems at the end of the day. They were both systems that are built by uh, people or persons um it's a hierarchy, and hierarchies, there's always going to be somebody at the top, there's always going to be somebody at the bottom, and there's always going to be some sort of injustice. And I, yeah, for me, that's what we have to, we have to do away with, you know. But uh, yeah, I, that is the correlation um, between the two, that when you have a hierarchy, somebody always suffers, and somebody always is, is more powerful and more higher than, than the other person, or they perceive themselves to be. Right, and I know, I mean, I don't know how into Western astrology you are. You were saying that you're a fish in Vedic as well. I don't know the Vedic system as well as I should. Um, but it's funny because the 12th house in Western astrology, the, um, the Pisces sign, is so, uh, I mean, that's the whole Jesus age in a sense. It's kind of like, I'll help anybody. We're all in this together. Like, we're all one. Um, that's kind of in a weird way why it, I guess you could say the New Age uh, has taken off at the end of the Piscean age here more where people are kind of reawakening to the unity consciousness. Um, but there's also been a lot of, you know, delusion and illusion and weird stuff going on too. Um, so when you said that you had experienced some racism, was that like a, you know, was that a regular occurrence or was that like, uh, for yourself? I mean, did you feel like you were just not, you know, getting paid or was there a specific example that you could cite that was like, just not cool? Um, I actually, yeah, it was not cool. I was, I was working in a law firm, <laughs> no names. But at the time, I was using my father's name, an Irish name, which was Conlan. And um, my mother was very particular. She was actually quite clever because she actually gave me two names. She gave me Victoria and Vijaya. So it's the same name. It means the same thing, victory, victory in, in, in two names. But she particularly wanted me to keep it because she had the intention that I would go back to England. And on paper, when you send your CV in, 
Victoria always used to get through. Like my cousins or my friends, they had full Indian names and they would never get interviews or they would get one out of every 50, uh, 50 CVs that they sent. And I would get maybe 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 interviews. But it was always the look they'd give me when they'd see me because they'd look at my name and then they'd see my face and there was no, <laughs> there was no correlation between the two. And I eventually got my, my traineeship um, and I overheard the partners saying, one of the partners was saying, do we really have to pay for this traineeship? Um, she's not one of us. And then the other partner was like fighting for my corner and saying, well, no, she is one of us. Her last name is Conlon. Well, that's pretty overt. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, not, I mean, nationalism or even, I mean, it's not even about being British, I guess. No, even British. just like you're working there as a lawyer. And I mean, there is a big trend everywhere not to pay anyone by now almost. But I mean, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Well, what a learning experience. And I will say that uh, it is good on your mom to have that double-barrel shotgun approach. She's like, well, if one bullet doesn't work, the other one will. Um, very savvy woman, clearly, uh, to know how to – I mean, she was aware of the situation that might arise. So she kind of, um, for better or worse, I mean, she kind of gave you a leg up as a weird way to put it. But it's like she prepared you for a world that wasn't probably going to be as cool as we'd all prefer. Um, I mean, was this in like the 90s or when were you doing uh, law in London? Yeah, this was the late 90s. Um, my mother was completely aware. You have to remember that, like I said to you, my mother was from this this higher caste um, in, in India. So they were very, they were very Indian, but they were very British. So she was very aware. Actually, all my family had English names and Indian names. It's really, <laughs> really bizarre. But I guess with the K, it was almost like ingrained from when the British were there that you had this front that when you're out at parties with the British, the old Raj, that you would have your English name. And then when you went home, you would go back to your Indian name. I mean, just a sign of the times, hopefully. And it's surprising. I mean, late 90s, I guess I would have hoped for more progress by then. But hey, you know the the wheel turns the wheel of karma or whatever life so hopefully maybe we're in a different position now i wouldn't suggest it's healed <laughs> like you know it seems especially in america the past few years i've been watching uh, national news obviously um kind of race relations and racial identity is a weird thing and it's funny to me because i mean i'm not trying to be uh blase about it but it's like and this is probably something that i would say uh some would argue comes from privilege where it's like i just don't think about it Right. I mean, um, I, I saw this National Geographic uh, special once on kind of like mitochondrial Eve. And, you know, we're all kind of humans and just the migratory patterns uh, based off of that kind of materially reductionistic scientific model of human evolution. And it's just like we're all earthlings, man. <laughs> like we're we're up in this thing, like just trying to like not die and, you know, kill each other, hopefully. Um, but uh that is cool that your mom, and it, it, like you were saying, it sounds like a life hack, essentially, for your family. She knew kind of how to play the game, so to speak. Um, so it kind of set you up for success in a way, even though it wasn't, um, it got you in, but you weren't in the club, it sounds like. And that's annoying as fuck, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a way. But, uh, you know, I, I think I I did what I needed to do. I saw what I saw. And after I practiced, I did a little bit of, of teaching at, at a university, which for me was much more uh, 
it was much more beneficial and I, I felt uh, much more at ease because also to be honest with you I realized that once you once you're in the legal system you're just fighting for other people and this was not my energy I was fighting for other people I you know I didn't just do criminal I did civil and then you're fighting over a word or you're fighting over you know the retainment of somebody's children or a contract you know it's for me it just was a, actually a false system and this is this was also another reason why I had to come back to to India was because the system for me was just why can't people just sit at a table and and talk talk it over over a tea or a coffee or whatever you know exactly it reminds me of the uh, war song from the 70s why can't we be friends like that's so Piscean of you uh it's just like hey we're all in this together let's just like have some sympathy um, when you were teaching, what were you teaching law? I was teaching law. And again, this was also very frustrating because you're looking at paper and, uh, what you're teaching is not actually the reality of what's going on in, in the, in the system. Like we were talking about the racism, et cetera. It's, it's not the reality. Like people tend to stick to this rigid rigidity of the words within the books and, that's not the reality. It, it was also very frustrating. But I was, I was also, I was training people to uh, to do the legal practice course, which is like the step you do before you start to train. But for me, it was good because I could give them a real perspective of what it was going to be like without being too <laughs> too negative. <laughs> Giving them a heads up of what to expect, like a, a reality check, kind of. Um, at some level. So, I mean, how long did you do that? You said a few years? Yeah, I did like two years. And then after that was, that was enough for me. I was, I was really ready after that. Um, and then I went back to India and I worked with my cousin for about eight months, which was, <laughs> he asked me to do a big case with him, which was also quite frustrating. I'll just, I have to tell you about it because it, it's quite hilarious because it just shows, um, the, the egos of 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 people or, or humans, but especially especially in India. So my cousin was working on a huge case. It was a politician, and he was uh, uh, the the son of the politician, or the the person claiming to be the son had come to my cousin and said, "Hey, look, I am the I'm the son of this politician. Um, how are we going to do this? Because he's refusing to accept that he's my father." So then my cousin came and said, okay, we went to the Supreme Court and we ended up that he had to have a DNA test to prove that he was the, the father. But the politician absolutely refused. And this politician and the politician's son, I mean, there was spitting image of each other. You could just, you didn't even need a DNA test to see that it was the father. But the, the politician was just refused. What are you going to do? You're going to take my blood. You can't take my blood. I'm not having it. No. You can't take my DNA, and that was it. But we ended up winning my. We ended up winning the case, but just the hilarity of it all, you know, the, <laughs> the farce. I don't know the legality of it, uh, especially just, in India, just because where stealing hair or something, being like, "Oh, thanks," like, like just see if you like left the, uh, you know, DNA from skin or whatever. Rafael, what were you gonna say? I mean, that could be interesting, but also like ultimately, I'm curious because this is also kind of relevant today, of course. Many people don't know that a lot is based on, let's say, implicit consent and everyone should take note when they're signing stuff or not and so on and so forth. 
However, in this particular case, did the politician then do the test actually, willingly or forcibly, or did he just admit and say, yeah, obviously it looks like me? Um, he he outright refused. He was in the court and he was just like, I'm not bloody giving you the my blood, anything. You will not take anything. He outrightly refused. And then after some, we did negotiations with him, uh, with his lawyers and said, look, you, you can't deny that he's your son. There's no way that you can actually force, how do you force a person to take to take their blood or to take their hair, right, unless right. unless you do it behind, you know, like you said, you just take it from the back of him when he's done. So I'm just asking because you said you ultimately won the case. So I'm wondering, like, was it then just legally declared, well, it's his son, no matter test or no, or what happened? Yeah, we negotiated and we actually got him to end up admitting. We brought the, the the mother in and got them to sit at the table. I mean, this took a long time to get them to sit at the table. But the mother and and the politician sat at a table and she was just like, come on, you just have to admit that we had this one night and this is your son. And eventually, you know, it took some time. But and then the case was won because he he admitted it. He couldn't he couldn't deny it. And being a politician and it being so blatantly obvious that it was his son, it was ruining ruining his reputation, you know. It's funny because Raphael did pull an angel involving, I guess, children and parents or something. And this is obviously a very much wheel of uh, life <laughs> kind of situation where it's like you might lie for a long time and try to avoid shit. But like justice does, it seem come about. I mean, I'm not sure how into Taoism and things like that you are, but it seems extremes meet in a middle path at some point. Um, it's not always night. Day comes and day turns into night eventually. You know, it's like everything has a cycle and a process. So it's nice to hear. Um, as farcical as that might have been, uh, that good came out of it ultimately at some level. I'm curious before we totally leave kind of legality a few things, um, because I'm sure, you know, you're, you're over that. You stopped being a lawyer for a long time. Um, what you're, uh, feeling about the difference between the, uh, Indian and the British, I guess, legal systems are like how extremely different are they? How similar? I mean, I guess, and I guess, yeah, uh, and especially about, backroom dealings and how to bribe whom in terms of what you experienced because i mean Rafa, you know I people heard stories stuff. yeah no i mean both in terms of india with the low level stuff from what i heard and in terms of i mean especially okay with very high level stuff so the actual legal system itself i'm doing like rabbit ears here but the legal system itself is the indian system was based on the british system right so it's it's the same thing but yes in term of in terms of backroom dealings this is just rife from every level that you can imagine um you know from the time you get let's say you get stopped by a policeman you can just pay him immediately so it doesn't even get into the legal system so that a report isn't filed um when a report is filed you can also pay so it's stopped at that point so it's it's not taken any further. When it gets into the legal system and then the judge uh, reads it, you can then pay or bribe the judge. And I do hate to say it, but it's very, very rare that you will find a straight judge or a straight lawyer. <laughs> Would you say that applies both to India and UK? Um. 
you know, in terms of the UK, if you get stopped and searched, and uh, I, I, it's very difficult to to bribe uh, an English policeman, let's say. But on the higher level, you know, if you have money or you have fame, then yes, at that level, you can definitely you can definitely bribe a policeman. You can bribe a judge. That's that's very easy to do. Right. I imagine like Gordon Ramsay can be like. Don't you know who I am, or whatever? And like, because I think in a weird way, um, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to generalize too much, but <laughs> I feel like funny. British say what? No, just for example, Gordon Ramsay. But or, yeah, I don't know if he's even in England. He might be in America now. I think he's British still. Um, but um, actually, I think he's in L.A. Now that I think about it, he's got the Hell's Kitchen shit. But I don't know. I, I'm not up on Gordon Ramsay, like where he's at anyway. Um, it's funny because I don't. It seems that British people, on the whole. I think um, I, I Pink Floyd quoted it, but it, so it's not their original line. I think it's like a Tennyson line or something, but um, hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way kind of thing. I think they're kind of just like more prim and proper and trying to do things right. There's still a Victorian era kind of stodginess, probably permanently impressed upon their collective psyche <laughs> as rulers of the world at one point, whatever colonial kind of power. Um, so maybe they take hierarchical systems and like the rule of law a little more seriously. On top of the fact it's a much smaller population and more privileged, generally speaking, I'm going to think that India has a, you know, there's so many fucking people that uh, it's, you know, people, uh, opportunity is probably harder to come by there. So they're like, I got to make my shit work here. And that means if I, you know, if they want to bribe me, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, you know, policemen in India are paid pittance. So when somebody comes along and is like, hey, I'll pay you a lakh, which is equivalent to maybe a, a thousand euros, they're like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll stop it or I'll take it or I'll just hide the file or it never existed. Sure, that's that's rampant in the in the Indian system. So one more kind of question about law and then we can kind of move on because I'm only so interested and I'm sure you're over that part of your life yourself as you don't do it anymore. Um, what are your – I've seen a documentary on corporations being like legal entities with the same rights as humans but they're not like – flesh and blood clearly uh what is your impression of the legal system do you think is this crazy babylonian money you know magical satanic however you want to put it like kind of system that fucks people over more or less or do you think there's you know do you think it was made right and then it's kind of been bogged down by you know fine print and weird you know you know what comes to mind is like oj simpson's uh attorney where it's like people just you know try to get off with blatant murder and stuff like that um, what's your opinion of law overall, having seen it from both, uh, you know, the systems themselves, but also just your theory on the legal system as such? To be honest, I don't. Like I said in the before, I don't think we actually need it. I think some things we need. I think I think we need to go back to 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 communities to you know like. Like in India, in the villages, you know, where somebody steals something, okay, then, he, you know, the, the family or the community will sit around and discuss it, or maybe they'll just give him a slap on the hand and he can't do something. You know, for me, like, I, I really think it's a farce. I think it's farcical, and I think a lot of it is completely unnecessary. And, yeah, you were talking about the corporate entities. For me, this is, yeah. Yeah, you could say I use your word. It is it is satanic. It's just protecting a, an entity, a, a corporation that is. Uh, it's it's. 
the the hierarchy is 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 so is so high that you know you're you're just protecting two people, um, but what about the rest of rest of society? Uh, like for example, there was a huge uh, mercury spill in Kode Canal. Kode Canal is a very special place in in India, and it's it's full of wildlife. And Nestle went there and spilled mercury. But they managed to just pay and bribe and get out of it. Um, but the mercury is still is still active in in the landscape in in India. But with this with the laws and with the corporations, somehow they managed to just sneak and and slime out of it. Um, like you say, they they're not humans, but they have this human identity. And I think we need to all come to the table and sit and negotiate rather than going to lawyers, going to to judges. To get them to deal with it, um, because they're on the outside looking in, and we need to take back that control. Begs the question: Why uh, Nestle was had? Mer I mean, don't they make chocolate <laughs> bars and stuff? It's like, why do you guys need mercury? Well, <laughs> and it's weird because arbitration. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tricky process um, in the Judeo-Christian kind of ethic, culture, history, whatever. Um, there's even in the Bible, like this book called uh, I think Judges. Um, like first and second judges of, I think that's in the Torah, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, it's in the Old Testament, quote unquote. Anyway, the point being, um, there's level, this gets into presuppositions really quickly because I guess in the Kali Yuga, where, where it's like kind of fucked up, crazy, right is wrong, wrong is right, like justice isn't happening. You need people, I mean, this is kind of like the cliche Western where it's like, oh my gosh, this town is overrun by baddies and we need like the sheriff. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, people are human and can be fallible, bribable, um, and, you know, look the other way. I would like to think there's, you know, people that give a shit, and it's not all fully corrupt, but obviously on the whole, it seems that these systems have not only, um, maybe their intentions were originally to, like, keep peace and, like, you know, um, because in your uh, kind of um, example of, like, local jurisdiction in terms of, um, okay, if you, you know, stole the elders of the town or that family will deal with it, that's kind of why tribal, uh, globally, tribal like disputes and wars have raged for a long time because people are like, well, you fucking did something, and they're like, oh yeah, well fuck you, and then just you know turns into like you know our gang versus your gang, like you know North, uh, I mean, um, Catholics and Protestants in Ireland is a good example, right? It's like people just kind of pick their sides and fight for it without you know seeing the higher level, which a Pisces can naturally do anyway. So I think there's like a functional necessity for it, but at the same time, I think we're starting to, what you're trying to talk about is like personal sovereignty, local sovereignty. Uh, a lot of things can probably be dealt with, um, especially if the culture is imbuing values. This gets really tricky because it's like how, you know, in a postmodern kind of world, it's like whose values are right? Like, should we be telling people like, don't steal because the Bible says so? Or are we saying it because you're only hurting yourself and, you know, you're all little Atmans running around in a, a Brahma situation? Like, it's hard to kind of translate certain things. Um, I'm kind of curious based on, um, and we could start shifting gears a little if you want. And if, if anything, I just rambled about you want to address, feel free. But I'm curious how you look at law in terms of the idea of karma um, and, like, uh, like um, you know, representation and um, arbitration. Uh, any thoughts you have on that front? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Law in terms of, of karma, karmic laws, but law in terms of karma, I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, I think if we're talking about individuals or companies, I think eventually the karma has to has to come back, right? It's an action. You put the action out there and eventually it's going to come back to you. Um, time is is not of the essence, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, some people have instant karma uh, and for, for other people or entities, it takes a little bit longer. Um, but in, in relation to specific laws, the law is that eventually what you put out, what action you put out there is definitely going to come back to you. And if it's put out in a negative way, then it's going to come back to you negatively because that's what you put out. That's the energy you put out. And if you put it out in a positive way, then it's going to come back to you positively. And negatively, I don't mean to say that, okay, so you hurt somebody, somebody's going to hurt you. I mean to say that you can hurt yourself um, you know, physically, like in inside yourself, you, you'll start to eat yourself in a sense, um, with your, with your negative energy yourself, because your thoughts, what you manifest, etc., will, will come back to you physically. Um, so yeah, for me, that's, that's in a sense, the, the most simplest way that I can, I can answer your question in terms of the law, in terms of the law of karma. Well put. I, I think what I was kind of trying to get at is, do you think that legal systems, lawyers, judges, all this stuff infringes on processes that are already at work? Are we just like playing, are we muddying the waters? Um, or do you think it's a human attempt to create justice and, uh, you know, balance karma, however you want to put that? Maybe. Um, go ahead. To lay it out a little bit, and I guess the UK theoretically has one of the strongest systems in that regard, which they usually call common law system. Actually, what we would be talking about, of course, is, let's say, true divine sovereignty and natural law. However, if I understand correctly, then the UK has a somewhat special position in terms of, if I remember correctly, that lawyers or not lawyers, but judges are actually allowed to interpret the law or something along those lines. But to put it simply, the question would be whether positive law is not a devolution of common law and whether common law is not already a devolution of natural law, which would be my contention. Although, of course, they may have become necessary, but here the big question, of course, always is with, you know, overbearing bureaucracies and hierarchies and so on, whether they were really created because of a true necessity or whether that apparent necessity was actually also, let's say, an artificially engineered crisis as too many are, as we know, or artificially engineered conflict, let's say. I agree with you, Raphael. I do, I think on a, on a, on a very a tiny level, yeah, the common law was a necessity, but I think that then got, yeah, it got uh, inflated and over-abused, and actually uh, the majority wasn't necessary um, for, the, for the greater good. And like you say, it just got uh, polluted, convoluted with bureaucracies and hierarchies. And then people started to abuse and take advantage of the system over time. Um, I just want to give you a simple example, right? Um, for me, something like in India, um, homosexuality was, was banned. Like when the British came, homosexuality was banned. And for me to say the two men can't do whatever they choose to do or two women can't do. I, I don't understand how one can say that, you know. It's just recently, two years ago in the High Court, it went to the High Court and then the Supreme Court in Delhi, 
And that law, which came from the British, actually got overturned. You know, this also means that, means that just, sorry. sorry to interrupt you. Uh, this also means, just to be very clear, that this law was brought by the British and there was no strong prohibition or shunning or something of homosexual relations before British colonization. Am I getting that right? You're getting that absolutely right, yeah. Well, that's so kind of a clusterfuck. Right. Well, it's tricky because on the one hand, I mean, it's like the Rome model, right? They're like, look, well, it's tricky. I'm not justifying anybody. Rome was like, we're going to globalize. We want to make our tribe basically the standard gold model, whatever, Rome, right? And they're like, you guys kind of do whatever you want, but like build roads, pay taxes, say hail a seizure, you're cool. That's pretty laissez-faire, pretty hands-off. But if you didn't do that, your whole culture was demolished possibly or you know people crucified or whatever the fuck was going on back then so it was like a strong i mean it was kind of like a coercion <laughs> um where they're like you might as well because pro quote progress like you're saying but like you know picts or whatever up in the in the uk or whatever um and gauls and people that didn't want to get colonized by rome found it pretty intense to come against the roman empire um which ultimately, as uh, Philip K. Dick has said, in, uh, who's an American author, he's like, the, the empire never fell. Rome turned into England and, you know, uh, Bohemia, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the word, um, but German. Bohemian. And, uh, yeah, well, not, oh, is it Bohemia? Uh, Bavarian. Bavarian, or, well, yeah, yeah. Bohemia like, may also got, be, but. Right, like the whole, I mean, let's put it this way. The model, like, they started off at one point, <laughs> it's tricky, and I'm kind of going on a diatribe here, but like at one point they're like, Give them a Circus Maximus and give them like basic kind of like things that they think they want and they won't revolt and will just spread like a virus. There's pros and cons to that. We got, you know, common currency. We got, you know, the idea of law. Like these kinds of things came through Rome, right? But ultimately, good things turn bad. I mean, even if you look at William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, it's like that's not a straight up cool system. Like people were being dubious even in a fictitious representation of these systems. Anyway. You fast forward ultimately and you get to this place where um, it's weird because it's kind of like the wheel of life or the wheel of, you know, what the card of the episode where it's like India had been doing its own shit for a long time. And because of the alien uh, invasion is a strong word, but I guess it's appropriate, like the kind of implementation of alien cultural artifacts. Um, they then adapted their culture to more kind of whatever, you know, Victorian, prim, proper, no homosexuality stuff. Um, and then in a weird way, now they're kind of regaining sovereignty and saying we could do whatever we want or however you guys are handling that situation. Um, I lost the train of thought. I'm just rambling now. But I guess the point is, is like it seems like it's a back and forth between uh, in, in Kabbalah. They have uh, the pillars of severity and mercy. I mean, this is kind of like the idea of difference between like, I guess shiva and shakti um whereas like you have some rigid formal masculine structures that want to go out there and name things and label things and make discrete laws and you know this is what it is and we take over by force and that kind of energy uh whereas the feminine is more receptive obviously and kind of like going along um you know yoni uh lingam kind of dichotomies here um and and it seems for better or worse i don't know about your presuppositions i know Raphael. I can't speak for him, but like we're kind of in a pageantry of consciousness that wants to explore possibilities at some level. So, you know, to learn how to deal with maybe um, bullying, and it's a very vague term, but bullying, you have to be bullied to know how to deal with bullying and then say, do I want to be a part of this kind of karma or not? 
Uh, and then that's kind of how left-hand path, right-hand path shit kind of pans out. It seems Jedi, Sith, however you want to look at that. I'm rambling. Um, it, it's weird because I guess my whole point was like, some people saw a model and it's it worked well enough that they coveted it. And people were like, I mean, for better or worse, there was a time in our ancestral past where most people were like, we want to join progress, whatever progress looks like. And that was Just like to Roman make it, models. Maybe cut it short and uh, ask you, Vijay, what do you think? So my my simple question here would be whether what Jim is trying to construct is nice narrative that these were all created as contingencies and for actual security and safety and so on. Whereas I am of the, let's say, suspicion that a lot of these systems, in a galactic sense, one would say they are Orionite. So Orion, Star Wars type, you know, control systems, economy and religion and all of that. Yeah. And uh, I would say that potentially quite early there has been the split, whereas it was not so much anymore for, for actual necessity or safety, but really very much contrived and just forever increasing control and also of course very much in tune with the Kali Yuga that apparently was necessary I don't know but now we'll let you talk before we continue rambling on no I I, I think I tend to agree with you more Raphael that these systems um, were built more as a, a control system and ways to yeah keep the people down keep the masses down manipulate the people um, yeah just to keep them at bay uh in terms of I'm, I'm trying to put your answer your question directly without uh, uh, I had a, I had an example in my head but it's just gone now I'm just trying to uh, just trying to think what I want okay, to then say okay just to bring up something, something that uh, Anja Anya wrote who's also listening so she's saying that it's simple in terms of whether or not to allow homosexuality she's arguing for the idea that when you have a system that needs soldiers because it's based on wars as a tool they need for their system, then obviously if you have homosexual relations, there are no kids. No kids means no soldiers and no workers and no slaves. Um, and then it, she says the system is not based on money. Money is only a tool. When you have less people in your land, you are a poor land. Less males, poor land. Many people means a rich land, which, yeah. Of course, it's also, I guess, an interesting perspective. What I would like to bring up in addition is as far as I could research it from, you know, those few papers or apparent historical records one may find, whether it's talking about Germanic tribes, Hungarian tribes, whatever they may be exactly, right? Uh, Indian colonization or anything else that what you actually have is you have some kind of an empire, wherever that exactly comes from. We've mentioned Tartaria here plenty, and there's all kinds of research stories but it is there, obviously. <clears throat> and this just successively through, let's say, seduction and luring people into certain potential niceties at first sight, basically uprooted them and had their own internal systems of sovereignty, whether it's economic, administration, government or spiritual, upturned. Potentially, the way it looks, primarily, of course, to the Catholic Church and its uh, associates, which are plenty. Um, yeah, and then just uprooted civilization after civilization and made them dead slaves, basically. And the interesting aspect now is that the way I see it, everyone actually is indigenous. And we can all come back to, 
let's say, quite well-proven values that include a lot more sovereignty and a lot more direct spiritual connection. Although, especially here, I mean, in terms of India, I'm not sure with the Brahman case and so on, how it would be seen. But by now, I'm almost willing to say almost anything is better than what we have now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've lost my train again. But yeah, I was just thinking about like the Harappan society, you know, um, you know, they, they discovered this right in, in like the Afghanistan, Pakistan area. So you have this Harappan society and they said they, they actually found that there was no hierarchical system, that everything was on the same level. Um, so there was no high, no low, no, and I guess also, I guess obviously you would have required your, your medicine person or maybe the person that you went to if there was a little bit of trouble in the family, somebody to advise right, you, right. but but everything was on absolutely the same level. And when when, when you're talking about the system, even, even the Hindus, right, the Hindu people were actually from the Indus Valley, and then along came somebody and said, okay, Let's create something which is Hinduism, but you know, Hinduism for me is just—it's—it's it's just about—it's about spirituality. It's not about um, a, a caste system. You know, some people would say that the caste system came from from Alexander the Great. I mean, I I, I don't know this uh, factually, but you know, this was like you're like you're talking about systems. This was obviously brought in by other people. Um, the Arabs came in in the 1200s, you know, uh, many different people came. Then the, the Portuguese came and all these different systems were created and put in place or different religions. Um, so this sense of oneness actually started to to break down and then more hierarchies were put in place. And like you were saying before, yeah, these hierarchies were just created um, for the few to manipulate the masses. And also to to divide and conquer at the end of the day to separate the people, and that awareness now for me is coming back now. Now the people are starting to come together. I think we like that statement. I would say, Jim, if you agree, let's switch it up for the second segment to uh, the music break now, and then get into all the good stuff. Let's say. For sure, yeah. Just uh, her history. I guess caused us to talk about law more than typically I'm not a lawyer. Um, but it's funny kind of bottom line is like, yeah, like you're saying, like, um, I guess the term strangers with candy, that seems what colonialization and imperialism is all about. It's like we'll offer you something, but usually people are more fascinated by the immediate gratification of the senses at some level, like alleviation of, you know, pain, we'll give you roads, whatever, you know, whatever the, the bribery is. And then they get sucked into a system. Yeah. Depending on what happened souls. to them. <laughs> right before they were offered the roads and the food and so on you know usually it's utter devastation so <laughs> just to yeah, keep that not, in mind history's a clusterfuck of fucking weird shit so anyway yeah let's listen to some music when we come back we'll get into some lighter fanfare welcome back with vijaya turning towards the brighter side <laughs> yeah welcome thanks for having me for sure and it's funny because i mean like the wheel of life it takes night and dark so just ignoring these things doesn't resolve them, so talking about them helps. Um, I'm not an expert, but it's always fascinating to hear history, law, uh, cultures. These things have, it's like Towers of Babel. They got built up. They're going to come, come crumbling down. It seems like we're kind of in a dissembling phase now. Um, Globalization is real, and we're kind of all 
aware of each other through the internet so people aren't just stuck in an indus valley or you know over in a uh, dead sea area or whatever or uh, you know a, a british isle um but we're all kind of aware in a global way and that means we have new opportunities to kind of heal old wounds ancestral wounds personal karma all this kind of stuff so i'm kind of curious because we've been talking a lot about like your you know professional life i guess but were you uh you had said you've been trained by you know yogis and stuff like that when you were a kid over in india and then dipped back over to england um this whole time when you were doing that stuff were you doing personal practices like how were you staying grounded um uh, that kind of stuff like were you still spiritual during that whole time or you said you kind of felt like there was no shiva in london um though i mean i'm not gonna argue that i'm like uh, what's not grace in a sense but um what were you doing in a uh to maintain your stuff and when you ran out of juice like when did you go back to india uh you were saying you were helping with your uh cousin or whatever with the legal case but what was your personal life in terms of spiritual spirituality looking like yeah, like I said, I was blessed to to be told by the to be told by the gurus and my my aunt and my my mother. And actually, I was lucky because my aunt was also living in in London at the same time as that. Actually, she does like six months, six months. She's blessed, so she's obviously not now, but she does six months in in India and six months in the UK. So the time when I was there, she was more or less there eight nine months of the year. Um, it was very difficult for me to try and get my my routine in because I I was working so many hours. But my form of release was to go to her um, once or twice a week, and I would do a yoga nidra session with her, a yoga session with her, um, allowing me to to get into my my subconscious and and yeah, basically cleanse myself. You know, to be able to come to the fore and refresh. This was my reset, and, and also I would also go to to the Shivananda Center um, and yeah, do my, my, my karma yoga and, and just chant and also do my, my chanting in the night before I go to sleep. Yeah, you don't want the Pisces to dry out. Uh, you got to stay wet with the spirituality. So um, it sounds like you were doing what you could and then you ended up going back to India. Was that kind of a culture shock? Were you going back and forth enough where you weren't that you know, maladjusted, or when you got back, we were like, holy shit, I forgot all about this. No, I was going back, yeah, once every 18 months or so, so it was quite easy for me to, to get back into it. I mean, I, I consider myself more, uh, I consider myself Indian, you know, my father Irish, yes, by blood, but I never really had that Irish uh, influence because I was never in Ireland and never really had the Irish side of the family, the connection. I always, I always had my my Indian roots, my connection to my Indian roots. So it was really, it was easy for me. I was like a, a fish in water. It was so easy to go back and reconnect. Um, and yeah, I just started going back to the ashram, to the temples, chanting, and yeah, getting back into my my yogic my yogic way of life, which is completely me and completely uh, allowing me to 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 connect with myself. Um, and and become that oneness that we all are, and and this, that's the point when you can connect with you yourself, then it gives you the ability to connect with everyone and everything around you. It makes it much easier. Right. It seems like those personal distortions, once they're kind of dealt with, create to like you know as within, so without. So it's like the outer world 
you can have an equanimity about you um, in stressful situations that one might not have if you're not centered, so to speak. So what um, is there like a certain lineage you're kind of up in or like what, what does your practice look like? And did this start becoming more of your identity? Did you just drop the law stuff altogether and you're like, all right, cool, I'm into spirituality? Like, how does that look? Yeah, it was. I did drop law stuff. It was like the, the former life. It wasn't me anymore. Like I said, the, the justice couldn't be done. I did I did what I could. Um, and then I went back. And yeah, it was more from the, the Shivananda um, path, you could say, um, who taught my, my mother and my aunt. So following that lineage, and um, it's very deep because, you know, this was also my reason for doing my my online course, um, which was Finding the Self Academy, because yoga, many people just perceive it here because it's used as a buzzword here. Many people perceive it here as, as a form of exercise. For me, that was quite frustrating because the exercise, it's not exercise, it's asana, so it's a pose is a very, very funny part of what yoga, yoga actually is. And, you know, yoga in itself is, is so much bigger. So, it, you know, you're talking about practicing unconditional love, which I would practice anyway, practicing karmic yoga, like karma yoga, like doing things, performing actions without even thinking about it, you know. Like, uh, yeah, just a simple example of you, you see an old lady crossing the street with too many bags and you just automatically go and help her without even thinking about it, you know. Um, doing my mantra, my yana yoga, um, and, and performing my daily rituals, like I do my Agni Hotra, which is like a fire ritual every day, and chanting 108 times, which is a healing mantra. It's not just to heal me, but it's also to heal to heal everybody. And the Agni Hotra also allows you, to, it changes the molecular structure in the air because you're burning cow dung. I don't know if you've heard about this. Yeah, that that's more or less my, my daily routine. And, and also personally developing myself by reading much more, not just the Gita, but reading many different shlokas and, and, and strotas. And yeah, just just going much deeper into it and deeper into the self so you had said that uh, yoga is kind of a buzzword thing. Um, there's pros and cons to kind of any uh, fad, I guess you could say. But that's the part of the thing I was going to ask is like this is an ancient kind of cultural staple to India and the territories kind of around there. Um, do you find that the culture is so? I mean, how much? How much people? How how often are people doing bhakti yoga and stuff like that? Where people, you know. How kind is it? I guess it's a weird way to put it. Where do you feel people are having this philosophy purview their whole life, where they will help the old lady, and it's just happening? Like everyone's doing good deeds, or is everyone caught up in the kind of like rat race? And there's a you know a billion people here, and we're all gonna hustle, and I don't have time for that lady. How do you look at the culture as reflecting the lineage that they've inherited? Are they maintaining it? Is it good that it's kind of gone out in the world, and now maybe it gives people a pause to say, oh yeah, that's from our play, our our culture, and we should remember this like how, how do you look at it in that terms i have mixed things i have to be honest in in terms of in india i think it's just completely polluted in the cities so again the younger generation in india is using yoga as a buzzword so it's more like getting the picture on instagram of me doing shirshasan like standing on my head and that's quite frustrating for me and then in the smaller vi villages, I mean, everybody practices bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga is unconditional love, but it's only, they're only focusing it more on 
on the, the particular god that they're worshipping. So whether that's uh, Ganeshiv or Hanuman, whatever whatever god that is. Um, but I do find it frustrating that the the actual, you know, the Vedas themselves, a lot of people don't even know how to to read Sanskrit. They don't even know how the translation in whichever dialect or language they're speaking. A lot of people in India have lost that, the, the crux, the actual true real meaning of what Bhakti Yoga is, of what Karma Yoga is. And I do find that frustrating. And I think in a way it's good that it, it it is good that it's gone out because it goes out and it starts off as this buzzword of yeah let's let's do the the surya namaskar or the sun salutations let's stand on our head but then people on this side of the world they do actually want to really know more they want to read sanskrit they want to understand it um they want to they want to understand it and feel it you know so it it's i i have these mixed feelings but i it is in the long run it is for the greater good it is going to benefit everybody i think and the awareness is coming back because the people who are doing it here now it's like people in india are going hey that's my culture and what is that and how does she know about the gayatri mantra and hey i don't even know what that means so it's it is good so it's almost like an external form of uh, accountability where it's like, well, they know my shit better than I do, and I'm, it's from where I'm from. Oh my god, I'm curious because I, my awareness of yoga is pretty limited. Like, I mean, I will say, like, obviously, I'm a white guy from America. Not that that discludes me from much, but I'm not, you know, going to ashrams or anything like that. It's not in the culture that I'm in. Um, do you find that there is, uh, how would I put it? Uh, and I'm kind of curious about your own philosophy. Like, do you think we're kind of in a dream and it's all good? Uh, and like, you know, Krishna, play your food, let's all jam kind of thing? Or do you think there's evil that needs to be dealt with in the world? Um, as a, a, a lawyer before, I'm kind of curious how you look at like good and evil, I guess you could say, if you want to even term it in those, couch that in those terms. But um, in terms of um, culture, like being exported and then re-imported, uh, it seems like that would be, like, like I said, an accountability um, to a point in a way, like a mirroring effect, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, yeah, breaking it down to the basics in good and evil, at the end of the day, it's all about the energies, right? It's all about the emotions. And what we're talking about here, we're talking about anger, hatred, greed. And this is the, this is the, the darkness. This is the, this is the negative energy is what you're talking about. This is the demons, you could say. But, you know, when you break it down, it's, it's just emotions. It's just people wanting more um, and again, we're back to manipulation and people wanting um, to put people down um, just so they can have more of something or just to ensure that the next 17 generations are, are catered for. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not well versed enough. Maybe Raphael is more so than myself um, with different like, lineages and gurus and stuff. Sadhguru is a kind of famous internet clickable person that i'm i've paid attention to to a degree uh he seems to be trying to point people it, it seems like what you're saying and it's obvious but it's it's hard when you're in the wheel the rat race to like center calm be in your body and it seems like if you kind of do the right due diligence uh we just had a full moon in virgo when you're doing like the health um virgo's all about health um but when we're, we're doing the health and doing the kind of breathing and grounding it seems that the awareness, you, you, 
from what I can gather and through experience at times, samadhi, as they say, um, you you tap into this level of awareness that can't be gotten to without doing that work, if that makes sense. Uh, sometimes you have flashes of grace, you can you know be moved and not you know be in some position or having mantras going through your head. But it seems, for better or worse, that we're having to rewire ourselves to get back to a place that we already started from. If that makes any sense. That is the you've just hit the nail right on the head. That's the absolute. That's the self. That's why somebody asked me, "What does the self mean?" And that's the finding the self, and that's the point. It's going back. Like it's going back to that point where you're born. Like don't remember. I don't even. I mean, in Hinduism, we don't even believe in birth and death. But going back to that physical form when you just open your eyes and there's no sense of duality at all. And as soon as you start to cry, then you have this sense of duality because you hear the crying and then you're like, "Who is that? I am. This is me." So then you become into that. That ego comes, and then automatically you have something like. You know, you, you forget how the rain feels because you feel the raindrop on your face and then somebody tells you, no, actually you need an umbrella, but why do I need an umbrella? I'm enjoying this feeling on my face. Or the feeling of snow on the feet. We forget how it feels because someone told, it, someone told us that it's cold, but we, we didn't actually know it was cold. We didn't even know what cold meant. So that's the rewiring. That's what we need to get back to. We need to get back to that pureness, you know. Like for me, we're all born. I always say this: we're all born like a glass of water. We're born pure. Okay, we yeah, we believe that some sanskars, some karmas are brought back from the previous, the previous energies, the previous lives. But we're all pure. We're all pure like water. And then over time, forms, senses, karmas from family, from institutions, from civilization, from society, from everything is plied upon us like baggage. And then this pure water, which is actually pure, just starts to get murky and gets convoluted. And then that real, that, that, that pure form is, is lost. And we're so far away from what that pure self is that, like you say, we have to come back to rewire ourselves again. I'm kind of curious, Raphael might be able to speak upon it in terms of preferences and stuff like that, but do you think that this is just, you know, how would I put it, uh, in a more Judeo-Christian kind of framework, it would be like, we, you know, we're in a sinful world or whatever, it's like a broken situation, um, and the way you're kind of describing it sounds like it's left pref less preferential to you than, you know, I guess, the um, pure state. Do you think of these, do you think of embodiment as like a, a, a bad trip, like a bad drug trip in a sense? Or how, how do you look at life? Because sometimes I think people are like, oh my God, especially probably a Pisces, um, uh, you're, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to be part of a pure dream. And this is so heavy and dense and broken and messed up and, and muddied, like the water you were talking about. Um, do you think there's, do you think we asked to be a part of this? Um, or is it something that we're getting voice, you know, thrown into essentially? I think it's something we're getting thrown into, and I think it's something we have to experience. It's the karmic cycle. I think we have to do this. We have to get to, we have to make this cycle. We have to do the rounds to come back to this point and go, ah, oh, okay, that's, that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. This is, this is really easy. It's not that difficult after all to connect, to close our eyes. But you know, once you close your eyes, the forms are gone. It's really simple. Once you start to chant a mantra, 
even just the flicking of the tongue against the against the mouth it changes your your whole body it's got so many different benefits i i think it's really simple but yes i do think we have to go through the mill to get back to to this point this simple point right so like in an alan Watts sense uh, he was like a zen buddhist kind of a british expat kind of philosopher of the 60s alan Watts. um it seems like we're embarked on this journey of sensory experience but i guess because i'm not familiar enough with you guys but it seems like the movie got really weird kind of like uh and i don't know if you're familiar star wars movies but like the empire strikes back it's kind of dark uh there's not a whole lot of great things happening it's like moments of joy you know but mostly pretty dark stuff um it seems like the quality of time and material space or you know consciousness however you want to put that for the least you know past few hundred years thousand years has been difficult dare i say by our our design or the design i don't really know how to break it down but rafael or uh if you guys have anything you know want to expand upon that idea rafael well what i would like to do actually is maybe somewhat shift this was the main question right because we've what is obvious is that in a sense possibility is increasing imagination is increasing and especially many people rising up you know to many let's say not absolute truths that they may have been told negative conditioning all these things starting to break free and what i can see now so i'm kind of curious as to your assessment is that what you have of course is both those let's say waking up to more of reality and its machinations both in the material world and in the metaphysical world and some then easily can get paranoid because of that because they can also see in a sense the ideology or the plan or the world let's say i want to say of satan you know i mean this is again the christian terminology and we also somehow discussed all, all these things ultimately are neutral but in terms of you know one world that is this complete uh, control fantasy and at the same time there is much let's say talk and also some evidence of a completely different world coming in which then is called you know fifth density or whatever you know ascension however people call it so what i would be curious about is your reading of the energy especially considering that many people allow themselves to be i want to say demoralized by also much of the let's say mixed information or just propaganda that's being put out which could also have one easily believe oh my god like this is not only the apocalypse but basically let's just say very bad for the health of many many people and i'm curious as to what timelines you kind of sense at this present moment timelines it's interesting i just had this conversation with somebody about time because time again for me is this concept like when you're a child you don't even know what a minute is right you have, when, when your mother says to you, wait a minute, you're like, well, what is a minute? I have no concept of time. Um, yeah, it's very difficult for me to talk in terms of time, but I'm very hopeful that um, by, like, let's say, 2022, that, um, that the corporations will be com broken down, not completely, but breaking down, and that people will come back more to community um, community spirit, community way of thinking, um, be more connected 
connected with one another actually you just have a simple path like even you know even i used to i used to like bill higgs it sounds a bit crazy but i did but he oh, used to say him. you you can choose you can choose love or hate up to you you know love or fear fear or love it's up to you if you want to go down that path of fear then you can go down that path of fear and go into a deep death or you can just choose the path of love it's love it's so simple and that's the that's so yogic to me what he said because you can just choose love love and oneness and it's the simple thing to be able to change a thought from negative to positive or positive to negative we say palatna palatna is like to flip you know like i always use the metaphor like to flip a chapati on the on the pan you can do it in a second you know and a thought can create something really beautiful like the taj mahal or it can create a war it's to you what you want to do in your mind but i would suggest choose love because if we all go down that path of choosing love oneness and positivity then we can't go wrong how can we how can we go wrong and also when you choose that path then you're healing yourself so um and we could talk about anything you guys want i've definitely asked most of the questions today so i apologize if i'm being too verbose i'm kind of curious because it's like at one level kind of in a um post liber libertarian i guess post you know, re, you know french revolution kind of sense we all tend to be like i'm sovereign i can do what i want in terms of some scars what you were talking about earlier um kind of the karma we bring how do you look i mean there's no like i'm just curious i'm like i'm like a gemini right so i'm like i just have questions i don't have answers <laughs> uh, so don't, i'm not looking for that answer but i'm kind of curious how you look at people's lives in reflection to how much free will they have to make that decision versus what they have to play out in terms of of things from you know choices they've made before in their life or other lifetimes it's a habit right karma is a karma is a habit it's up to you to choose it if it's a good karma then you keep it if it's a bad karma and bad habit you keep it it's up to you to to get rid of it but you have to be aware of your karmas you know it's like if uh if somebody's uh, i don't want to use the example of drinking or smoking because it just seems uh, base baseless but yeah if you if you're the kind of person who constantly drinks or constantly smokes or constantly uh, attracts the wrong kind of people then you have to know that this is a this is your habit this is your karma it's up to you to change it because you can see what you're doing you can see the destruction you're causing not only to other also to yourself so it's 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 up to you to change that sanskara it's up to you to change it and it, it's very simply it can be very easily done i do something called yoga nidra and yoga nidra is it it's it's hypnogogic sleep that's what shivananda called it satyananda called it but it's the ability to go into the in between state where you're neither sleeping and you're not awake so you're going into that state and it allows you to to rotate the consciousness around your body to actually relax yourself mentally physically emotionally and spiritually and it's the only technique of its kind it's around 3000 year old it can take 15 minutes you can do 15 minutes or you can do 40 minutes up to you but in that state you make an intention you set an intention like you plant a seed so deep and that seed is whatever you want it to be i want to awaken my kundalini i want to be successful i want to stop smoking whatever you want to do you can set that seed if you want because you're aware of what your sanskara is your habit your karma and you can change it in this state 
and I I've done it with many people. It's a, it's a very deeply effective technique, but it's up to you to identify your sanskara, be aware of it, and change it if you want to. And that's the free will. Right on. Yeah, I think a lot of the wisdom that cultures tend to bring is true, but we've been living in such a rebellious epoch for a while that we tend to want to play with fire to know that what burning feels like, if that makes sense. When you said, you know, drinking and smoking, I personally been an alcoholic many years and not now i don't drink really anymore um but or smoking whatever and there was a time when it didn't matter if i knew it was hurting me i just didn't care i wanted to not feel and escape you know feelings or whatever and what changed it uh awareness ultimately but uh, but ultimately i just got tired of you know um (laughs) uh at some point you just you know you hit you. Well, I mean, I guess social psychology would call it like hitting the bottom, hitting rock bottom. And that might look different for many people, but at some point, you have to break out of the illusion of your own cycling. Um, but that that can't be forced. I don't. I mean, maybe it can be forced in a weird way. I think if one is doing the kind of um, mind body um, activities of yoga and all the kind of things entailed within that, it's far less likely you will go to those places. But because the West has become so fractured and individualized and self-absorbed and distractible and all this stuff, pleasure-seeking, um, we can go into very dark, hellish places that wouldn't probably be happening if we were maintaining our health and mental clarity and our uh, union, yoga, right? If we're, if we're maintaining that union in the first place. But, I mean, this gets paradoxical to me because on the one hand, I think Rafa would say, well, you chose to go experience pain and, and rise out of the ashes or whatever. Um <laughs> So I'm like, all right, well, I'm tired of that lesson now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's always, I would just say, put it simple and say, also, I could, you know, relate to that. And I'm sure many people can, like you say, hitting rock bottom can mean many different things to many people. For some, like heartbreak or something or foreclosure or something can be it. Government or, dependence. Yeah, you know, whatever one may wish. But then it's really like, you know, like the story from Manly Palmer Hall with the weaning off of these things. And I guess I would agree, especially because, let's say, modern civilization has been so fractured and consciousness and traumatized. No one is telling you that integrity and holistic view and uh, connection with yourself has any relevance. Everyone, since you're born, tries to tell you something else just like you said, Vijaya, in terms of not even allowing you to feel the rain on your skin and just enjoying it, but it has to be cold and bad and all of those things. And uh, yeah, this can uh, all be deconditioned ultimately. And then we arrive on a new level, I guess. And I like how you put it. um, It's basically this liminal state, right? Where that's where the real work can happen because... uh, I guess the Beatles had a song called um, "Everybody" or "Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except for Me and My Monkey," which I think they actually were in India when they wrote that song and seeing all the monkeys on the roads and stuff. Uh, even the song "Why Don't We Do It in the Road?" That's because they saw monkeys having sex in the road. In any event, um, so but there's this like everybody has something to hide except for me and my monkey. That's like this monkey mind, this ego self. Uh, and when you kind of detach from that in a way through essentially trance states. Parasy- uh, parasympathetic nervous system um, and, and, and active uh, activation because if you if you breathe in a certain way for a period of time you will necessarily I mean I've I don't do it enough but like disassociative slash I mean even astral projection things like that 
certain states of consciousness can be reached only if you do certain things, it seems. Uh, and what you were kind of saying, this liminal place, the uh, place between waking and sleeping, this kind of state, uh, Zen mode, however you want to put that, um, is where one can probably most effectively or more effectively rewire, reprogram, see things from a kind of a, um elevated uh, position. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on that kind of whole process? Yeah, because you're working on the alpha waves, right? I mean, right now we're functioning on the beta, beta waves. So we have to question, like you're the Gemini, we have to question everything and we have to say, oh, is, is she actually saying, is that is that right what she's saying or is that not right? Dreaming we're on theta waves, so we're not even, there, there's still some waves ha actually working, still, still something's going on in our subconscious. But when we're on alpha waves, we're functioning on the highest waves. And this is what the yoga nidra is. This is what allows you to access those those alpha waves. It's actually been tried and tested. I mean, you know, you can read about it, but they, they managed to try and test it. And this intention I was talking about that you set, um, they've even actually been working on on people uh, who suffer from cancer, so cancer sufferers. So when they set the intention that the cancer will become smaller, and I think they've been doing this since like the late 90s, early 2000s, and they've actually been drawing out positive results from this because you're in that you're in that in-between state, but you're functioning on the highest brain waves, if you will, that we can function on. And I just wanted to go I just wanted to go back also to to the senses, the prakriti. This is like the you know, we all have these different senses, and this is also we were talking about the systems and the governments, and this is the way bureaucracies, hierarchies, how they've manipulated us. Um, one thing I don't have, I never had, is a television. So this is one thing I've never been able to be manipulated through television. And this is one big thing because this gets directly into the third eye without even you realizing it. I mean, if you're not aware, then you're not aware. It's just going in. And this is what plays on our fears. Um, and, yeah, I think this is this is one of the biggest things, one of the biggest, I don't want to call it uh, a, a demon, yeah, how they manage to manipulate us through through our main our main chakra, which is which is <laughs> the third eye, um, ultimately bringing us to our senses, which ultimately makes us want to taste, smell, touch, you know, and then you become addicted to certain things or not. And this is what allows this is why this is why getting into the alpha waves is good because it allows you to strip away at your your layers in your consciousness and your subconsciousness and it brings out things it's it's actually deeper than hypnotism because with hypnotism you're focusing on a particular point but with yoga you're going so deep that it's bringing up things you completely forgot about you know it's bringing up like when we have trauma in our life or experiences, it, it blocks things in our body, our nadis. It automatically blocks things, and we don't even realize it. But the yoga neither allows us to unblock because we start to rotate the consciousness throughout the, the entire body, and this unblocks our nadis, our nerves, if you will. And then everything starts to, to work on, on many different levels. And that's why it's it's very important to do it in this level because again I repeat you're you're working on your alpha waves. It seems that's like the age of Aquarius where we're going. I mean, it's ancient wisdom, whether it's Egyptian or you know uh, Hindi, 
or many, you know, many people have talked about frequencies and states of consciousness and ways of being. And I guess it just got into a really messy food fight with culture and opinions and projections and uh, everyone's just covered in, you know, food and stuff now. And now, now it's learning how to like kind if of it only were it. just food, <laughs> right? <laughs> what it's energetic like, shit. <laughs> what I'd like to bring up, maybe you may appreciate it as well. What I recently noticed, you know, investigating all these ideas, like what shifted and why, and how can one find signs for that? And you obviously are aware the Christian cross is like, you know, has the, how do you say the horizontal line? like a bit on top it's not really uh, symmetrical like the oh, cathar cross yeah. right and then one time for some reason i was like i want to measure this actually when we were talking about um dark crystal age of resistance which is this amazing puppet show uh series which is really interesting to watch and may even be suitable for children and not be you know completely yeah well it'll still just fuck say, up the third eye uh, uh, basically <laughs> I mean this yes, but let's say it's a positive and interesting story. It's worth watch uh, checking out, especially in terms of metaphysical and spiritual context. Lots of wisdom contained. Anyhow, so we're talking about this, and there's also crosses and this and that. And uh, so the cross was moved from the middle, which if I would uh, have seven aspects, as in terms of seven chakras. Although I know there's also an idea which says the seventh is the combination of the six. There's different discriminations, but just put it Correct, simple. Yeah. To putting it simple, that's saying it's in the middle. So this would be the fourth chakra. This would be the symmetrically aligned thing, which also immediately is pleasing to the eye. This would be the heart alignment. And in terms, maybe you're familiar with the channel Ra Law of One. They talk about positive and negative polarization. And here they mentioned that to polarize negatively, you know, with hierarchy control and so on, you can use the lower three chakras polarize them and connect directly to the third eye, which they call intelligent infinity, and then kind of access higher powers, but through a negative, you know, control type separation type consciousness. Or you can activate the very same powers and more if you just properly go step by step, which is one, two, three, and then of course four, which is the heart, unconditional love, obviously. And this would lead you towards positive polarization, then also activating the fifth chakra, which would be the throat chakra, this would be self-expression, which cannot be allowed in the control system because it has to be based on conformity. Um, and then, of course, also six chakras, so on and so forth. But I just found this interesting that this was apparently shifted. And this seems to be this whole misalignment in all, most, let's say, cultures, religions, what has been impressed upon the ind indigenous population, dare I say, but by whatever type of quote-unquote alien force this may be but this was the main shift they did and now people are moving back into the heart which uh, you know just for the masses let's say again opens up this positive polarization and yeah it's a completely different journey anything you'd like to mention about this shifting idea um yeah it's well, it's interesting because i'm in i'm in Oslo and i'm um it, which is a very Catholic uh, country, but it's very it's very interesting what you say about the cross because I, I obviously never measured it, and that's uh, interesting interesting ideas. Um, but yeah, I see a shift here in Austria. I do see where I where I'm based at the moment, which is um, yeah in Tyrol. Um, I, I'm seeing a shift. I'm seeing a lot of people who were raised, you could say, Catholics went to Catholic schools. Um, they're shifting very. 
um, not forcefully, but they're shifting away from from this tradition, and they're they're much more interested in 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 other ways of thinking. Um, and their awareness, the resonance resonance of their awareness is definitely definitely high, uh, and um, and they're interested and they want to know more and they want to practice um, and they really want to to shift. It's it's almost like it's um, it's it's not even a, a, a mental want. Um, I would have said before that it was a, a mental want, but it's almost like it's just happened. Like people just want it. This awareness has just happened. There's been a complete a complete switch, and people are much more open to this um, than say even two years ago when I was here, where people were. Very, they would just look down on the ground when they would see me, and they would not be interested. And I wear a bindi all the time, a tilak on my my forehead, and people ask me all the time. They're really interested in what this is. Um, in the last say three four months, where before nobody nobody had an interest. More people are interested in real yoga. What is yoga? People are more interested in what is mantra. And this awareness comes from within. It's not like just a, I want to know. It's like a, a real inner, deep um, need to know. So I'm curious to investigate further this, let's say, present moment. However, this brings me back in a sense, just so we're not omitting this type of question. What is the speculation in terms of the lineage of what you've learned and what has been passed down or and also of course your intuition very simply put are basically do all religions have a common root potentially atlantean and actually just split up in all these variations and then unfortunately at the top level pretty much all of them got corrupted and strange sects and all these different control systems but in terms of what you understand would you see a common uh connection because even here i would say i mean it's good and it's oftentimes easier to go like uh, a roundabout way in terms of learning about for example hinduism in a proper way and then coming back for example to something more akin to let's say cather or original christianity which then would lead me to the point and saying well fundamentally then in terms of core principles those really are all very much the same just briefly anything you'd like uh, to mention about that uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to say something. I don't know if people are liking, but <laughs> um, I really believe that originally all the religions were telling us that God is within us as one, and we don't need to look outside at uh, murtis, at statues, at uh, figures, at representations, because God resides within all of us. Because again, when you study the Vedas, or even when you study Islam or Christianity, uh, even the teachings of Jesus, I'm not talking about Catholic, I'm talking about Christianity, the teachings of Jesus were, um, yeah, he spoke uh, Aramaic. You know, the teaching was that God is in you. Don't, you don't have to go into a church, you don't have to do this. God is actually within you. The pureness resides in, in all of us. And it's the same in Hinduism, and it's the same in in Buddhism, and it's the same in Islam. So for me, that is, we are, we are the consciousness. We are the God. We are the creator of our of of 
of what we make and we can do this together as as one we are <laughs> jim right well what comes to mind uh and i am blessed and cursed being a sun and moon gemini so it's a shit show um i've even had some psychics be like you blocked your third eye for some reason like we could see you could see but you've chosen not to look or whatever oh my god great um it's i think richard rudd who's done the gene keys he's come on the podcast before and i'm really into the gene keys with my fiance now um and his whole kind of system is based off of the I Ching and astrology and human design and some stuff like that but anyway i digress the point is uh we've been in in his estimation kind of in a uh, very ajna focused time one very mental time trying to figure things out right dissect things understand things in a mental um kind of level and we're going to be going towards more of our solar plexus soon where it's just kind of like being and flowing um it's amazing to me because uh i mean i'm super saturated with like new age cliches where it's like yeah we're all one or it's a dream or whatever um it's and, and i'm not even against that because it's true but it's amazing how distractible forgetful fearful um <laughs> you know uh ignorant quite frankly right ignorance is this kind of buddhism um thing um it's it's funny to me in a way but it's horrifying in another way uh because of that ignorance that's when we're misreading our you know our other selves as you want to put it like you know the whole namaste thing is like you're another me i see you right i see this that we're kind of doing this all at once and you're um, you're separate but not kind of paradox thing and hopefully we're coming into this reunification um i mean it seems like there was you know one glass you know in the you know one glass sheet of glass and then it shattered now it's remolded kind of like stained glass so everything has differentiation you know uh hindus are not buddhist zen buddhists from japan who are not you know australian aboriginals etc um but all these kind of bifurcations in the fractal of life are starting to become aware of the of the fractal fractality essentially the, the you know diverse unification paradox kind of situation going on and i guess it's it's fun <laughs> it seems really ratchet these days um but hopefully like Raphael's made a point where it's like i guess you know these core and, and just to back you up in terms of western astrological situation uh corporations are starting to crumble like you know this is the whole point of the past few years and where we're going to be going where um you know system people will be different but like systemic racism systemic you know fear um they're going to turn up the dials full blast for a while because that's the this these divisions are what they're capitalizing on to keep us under control uh like you were talking hier hierarchically um but these hierarchies are starting to become less necessary i don't know if they ever were but clearly they played out in the consciousness to be experienced and you know whether it's preferred or not is you know another point um but i guess the shift is happening shift happens as they say right and um i'm not a mother you said yourself you're a mother but like you know you don't you know inception to gestation to birth to you know first steps to first kisses or whatever you know all along the way these things take time um and i guess the more people do the inner work and keep their vessels clean try to make right decisions uh and ultimately you know remember right um all the things that i guess are kind of laid out in hinduism where it's like yo this is just a crazy dream with a lot of diversification <laughs> uh don't forget you know we're all one i guess the more we move towards that the more miraculous it'll feel it's just kind of you know the last 50 to 100 years has been pretty ratchet modernity has not been pretty 
uh, whether it's nuclear uh, bombs or you know 9/11s or whatever. So, and and even that's like why you know those tend to be distractions to cause people to fear to fall out of the vibratory stage that cause them to disempower themselves to rely on the hierarchy. Right? It's this circular kind of demon thing going on. So those those spells are being broken. It's it doesn't seem all at once. I guess uh, we're not like you know there, but I guess that's a choice. I don't know. I'm rambling. What are my thoughts? It's a crazy fucking. It's Bill Hicksian, right? It's like oh my god, there's ups and downs and lefts and rights, and you know your stomach drops when the fucking roller coaster goes a certain way, and you ask to be on this ride, and we have to remember it's a ride. Uh, and I think for for many reasons, whether it's a post twenty twelve situation or a yuga shift or an aeon shift or you know just you know, hundredth monkey effect. Who knows? Uh, maybe many of these things in synchrony. Um, the times they are are changing. So I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. But my God, like I, I haven't had a baby, but birth pangs aren't fun. I am imagining. So we're in a birth pangs process, and you know the head is crowning or whatever, <laughs> like crown chakra, right? Like we're kind of starting to tap into this new level that was always there that we kind of buried under karma, ignorance, all this stuff. And it's an interesting, it's almost like spiritual archaeology. We're remembering what's, you know, the foundational level. Um, it was always there, but we buried it in so much bullshit and distractions, um, which I guess in some weird kind of holographic sense are immaterial and ultimately just interesting experientially. Um, but it'd be nice to get back to some healing, health, inclusion, <laughs> balance, right? Life has been very out of balance for a long time. So hopefully the wheel of life is turning to a more... Uh, golden agey, you know, prosperous, humble, and integrated place. Vijaya, if you'd like to talk, you can unmute yourself. What I would also like to do is to ask Michaela if she has any questions, comments, statements, anything like that. Everybody. Well, I guess is the question is: Is there anything we haven't talked about that you, that you guys wanted to talk about? Um, I just want to say that we just need to break free from these forms, break free from the senses, and come back to ourselves. Like reconnect with yourself. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug. I I have something called finding the self.academy um, I'm doing free videos I have a free six-week yoga course um, just bring the balance back whether it's whether it's you know don't watch too much TV don't think too negatively just be positive remember what I said about the thinking you know you can create a war with your thoughts or you can create the Taj Mahal it's, it's entirely up to you which of you you choose to go down um, we don't have so long in this body, so make it as good as you can for you and for for your family and and the rest of us. You know, bring the awareness back. I'll definitely check out that uh, website. We'll put it in the comments or in the links or whatever to make sure other people can too. I'm kind of curious. Um, obviously, because of COVID, probably traveling isn't happening as much. But what have you been up to in Austria? Like, are you? running a uh i mean it's digital now or were you doing like kind of uh in person yoga stuff so what are you up to you in you? austria yeah i was doing before i was doing a lot of um before the corona I, I was doing a lot of um yoga sessions in people's homes or they'd come to me or yoga studios 
But actually, after the corona, more people wanted to do online. And I have to be honest, at first it was a little strange doing it digitally, like online yoga session or online yoga nidra. But then I thought, well, hang on a minute. Now people are chanting alms and singing mantras in their homes. So this resonance, the vibration in their house is now so much greater than it was before because it was always in my house or in a yoga studio. But now for me, it's just, and now the awareness, the consciousness, Shakti, everything now is in their home. And for me, it's, it's actually been a positive thing, I have to say. You're going to say it sounds like a positively polarized Machiavellianism, where it's like, I guess this is how it spreads. Like, we all get put into timeout, and then we deal with our shit, and hope, you know, hopefully faster than not. Um, that's the best part, I guess, I could say about this whole uh, pandemic, pandemic, however one wants to look at it. Um, it's given us, a, it, it's a big, you know, it's a reprieve from the Maya, the, the cultural Maya, I guess you could put it, like all the systems, all the programming, all the hierarchies. And now, People are kind of picking which wavelength they want to get on timeline-wise. Hopefully, we can get into some good theta levels and dream more lucidly as we like walk around. Um, but oh, I really, can I just say, people were also, you know, like I, I know so many people who would just buy, buy, they just buy so much shit. And then when the corona happened, they were like, I have too much shit now. I have to clean my shit. And a lot of people just started really cleaning and that's one that's a that's a really big part of yoga is that no attachment and just clean your shit like clean your house clean your loft realize that the things you have it's enough you only need what you need there's you know you don't need to have all the things that there's only there's only so many certain things that you need we don't need so much in life but people want 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 and i think that's also shifted that people now realize they don't need so much so they don't want that much anymore. I hope that's a positive um, takeaway from this whole situation because, you know, like, you're right. Ba- basically, we have like primal drivers for like whatever salty foods and sex and sleep and you know whatever. And and advertising corporations, all this kind of situation has learned how to basically hijack certain levels of our conscious awareness and make us essentially covet those things. So we just perpetually feel unsatisfied. Uh, and it seems some of these practices that you're talking about um, reset that game fully, and then you can see it for what it is, uh, and not be. I mean, if you choose to still be, you know, distracted, attached, you know, addicted, et cetera, that's the choice at that point. It's not longer um, unconscious slavery. So, uh, any kind of parting thoughts before we dip? I'm just going to keep repeating, but just be positive. You know, connect. Look at what you have around you. Look at the things that you have. Look at the things that you need, not what you want. Um, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your family. Be just, yeah, just, just feel, just connect. Really feel like, you know, connect, connect with yourself and love. It really just love. Try to love unconditionally. Try to love without ego. Try to, Try to love without expectation, you know, give without expectation. If you give something, really give it from the heart. Don't just give it because you're expecting something back. Just really do things from the heart and without thinking about it, without expecting something in return and just dissolve your ego. Allow your, allow your ego to just dissolve itself. Utterly 
Piscean wisdom there, folks. Uh, very much all is one, love, and just be be still and know kind of stuff. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I appreciate Michaela giving us uh, another great guest. Love to have you come back on again if you ever want to, obviously. Uh, if there's any kind of panel of people you want to talk with and talk specifics about, you know, this posture versus that or like whatever's going on. But it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And um, yeah, everybody, people out there doing the work. You, I'm talking to myself. And I was like, get on it. Like, don't, why, why wait? Like, what are you going to do? Like, wait for another, you know, Black Friday Thanksgiving sale or something. It's like, get on it. Like, make the work, do the work. Um, and the rewards are ineffably tasty. I can uh, test that, but I'm sure y'all get what I'm talking about. Raphael? So it is. And, uh, there I say, it's not only about potentially waiting for the next Black Friday sale otherwise, but I'm more thinking in terms of incarnation cycles. And maybe just as a final, I'm not final sentence, but in terms of, I mean, is this is the end of the Kali Yuga, is it not? It is the end of the Kali Yuga, Raphael. And we're coming into a new age. And I really, I just want to say one more thing. Please, please. I have a Finding the Self Academy on YouTube. I've done a free yoga nidra. Just try it. Get into your alpha waves. Like really get onto a level and yeah, feel the new age and enjoy. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on here. And thank you, Michaela, for giving me this opportunity. And thank you, you guys. And I would really love to come on another time and, and talk. And I can only say namaste and harium. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a blast. You're a cool cat. Uh, like I said, it's a, we always kind of do groundwork. So I'm sorry we kind of went through your past or whatever. Next time we'll probably be more, it'll be more, uh, have more brevity to it in the sense of <laughs> lightness that we could talk about the fun things, as Raphael said. Um, but yeah, this outro song I picked, um, not to be too patronizing or anything, but uh, when when I, we started talking and understanding kind of what you're about, especially when I heard you were Pisces, um, here's a good example. British rock and roller George Harrison went over to India at one point and got turned on to new ways of appreciating things. Uh, and I'm pretty sure this was on um, Revolver, but I'm not exactly sure. I can't be quoted on that right now. Um, but it's kind of like what you're saying. It's very Piscean in the sense of it's like life is going to happen with it, with, you know, within you and without you. Um, and ultimately we're along for the ride. So enjoy it while you're on it and leave, you know, good vibes on your way out kind of thing. Thank you very much. Everyone enjoy yourselves. Radio Pokito.